Good morning. Today the passage is from the book of Obadiah. This is what the Sovereign Lord says about Edom. We have heard a message from the Lord. An envoy was sent to the nations to say, Rise and let us go against her for battle. See, I will make you small among the nations. You will be utterly despised. The pride of your heart has deceived you, you who live in the clefts of the rocks and make your home on the heights, you who say to yourself, who can bring me down to the ground? Though you soar like the eagle and make your nest among the stars, from there I will bring you down, declares the Lord. Because of the violence against your brother Jacob, you will be covered with shame. You will be destroyed forever. On the day you stood aloof while strangers carried off his wealth and foreigners entered his gates and cast lots for Jerusalem, you were like one of them. You should not look down on your brother in the day of his misfortune, nor rejoice over the people of Judah in the day of their destruction, nor boast so much in the day of their trouble. You should not march through the gates of my people in the day of their disaster, nor look down on them in their calamity in the day of their disaster, nor seize their wealth in the day of their disaster. You should not wait at the crossroads to cut down their fugitives, nor hand over their survivors in the day of their trouble. The day of the Lord is near for all nations. As you have done, it will be done to you. Your deeds will return upon your own head, just as you drank on my holy hill, so all the nations will drink continually. They will drink and drink and be as if they had never been. But on Mount Zion will be deliverance, It will be holy, and the house of Jacob will possess its inheritance. The house of Jacob will be a fire, and the house of Joseph a flame, and the house of Esau will be stubble, and they will set it on fire and consume it. There will be no survivors from the house of Esau. The Lord has spoken. Well, good morning. You guys awake? How you doing? Good. Good. Good, good, good. Had a joyful night last night. Young Life uh, Banquet was held, and a uh, beautiful time with a, a ministry that impacts so many lives, uh, a heritage of godliness passed along for many generations. And uh, we just uh, praise God for that ministry. And I know many of you in this room are involved in Young Life and, and uh, sharing your lives, committing to kids. Uh, God's kingdom is filling up uh, because of that ministry. We just praise God for it. Heritage. It's what I want to talk about this morning. What is your heritage? Do you know? Do you know where you came from? Do you know what your family name means? Do you know what the lives of your ancestors were all about? My last name is Richie, and it's Scottish. And I come from the Macintosh clan. I wanted to share with you my crest and show you what that's all about. The Macintosh clan was a mighty clan. We had a motto, touch not the cat, but the glove. I have no idea what that means. <clears throat> Probably something I should figure out at some point. And we have our colors of our, of our tartan, the red and the greens. And we have proud heritage that comes from the Ritchie clan. And we have a new crest now that we live by. It's like a shield that we walk into this generation with. 
and I wanted to show you our new crest, the Macintosh <laughs> clam. And therefore, we only use Macintosh computers at Cole Community Church. Thank you. <laughs> Names are important. Actually, yesterday's paper, if you saw, it says, what is it about a name? What's, what do the names really mean? And it talked about the different roads in Idaho, Black Cat Road, and, and all these different roads, Chicken Dinner Road. And uh, it went on and on. But what's in a name was the title. Names are important and where they come from. And I have always been thoughtful in what it means to pass along names and names that are given to me. Richie is our last name. My mom and dad named me Rod, which means handsome one. But you already knew that. So, <laughs> No, they were greatly disappointed. Uh, no, Rod means uh, fist of strength or arm of strength. Kina is actually the female side of Conan. And I don't know what that means. I think it's like a, a warrior princess or something like that. And she's Swedish. And therefore, that's the reason she eats all those little red Swedish fish all the time. So she tells me. Part of her heritage. Our first son, Caleb, his name in the, in the roughest form of the Hebrew means tenacious, like a junkyard dog. And it goes on and has more meaning of being bold and faithful. Joshua, our middle son, is the Hebrew of Jesus. God is salvation. Alexander, our third son, means kingly one, mighty one. And actually, he's named after a godly heritage of Greg and Laura Alexander, our dear friends, a godly line that has lived out their faith in Christ. Names are important, and we continue to pass on and have a desire to, to give names that have meaning. But more important of, of the Ritchie family or the Macintosh clan and what I hope for in my life and what I hope that, that you desire for years is that you're passing on your real name. As followers of Jesus Christ, that our real names are Christian son. We are followers of Jesus Christ, Christian. We are children of God. We are heirs to the throne. We are ones that God says, come into my kingdom. You are my child. You are washed because I died on the cross for your sins. And as you believed upon me, you became part of my family. Christian son. And I hope that of all the names that I'm passing on, it would be that. That my children would know that they belong to the family of God. That they would know their value in His eyes. That they would know who they are spiritually. And that they would pass along, as I have passed along, who Jesus Christ is. That He is the only hope that we have. That He is our Savior. And that we pass along the good news that all who would believe upon him would not perish, but have life. And when you make that choice, you become part of the family, the clan, Christensen. What heritage are you leaving behind? What do people know of you? 
What would they say of what you're passing along to the next generation? I pray, as we continue to live in Christ, that they will look at you and say they are of the clan, Christensen. As we study this morning in chapter 36, we're going to study the line of Esau. Now, this is one of those chapters. Have you looked at it? It's one of those chapters. It's 81 names of Esau's heritage, his lineage. And honestly, you know, you look at a chapter like this and you're like, really, Lord? I mean, all scriptures God breathed. I understand that. But come on. And then I look at Jackson Kramer. I'm like, how'd you stick me with this one, buddy? So I was going to make him stand and read all the names and see how he, if he got them right. 81 names to go through, and you go, Lord, what are you going to teach us here? Well, I think what the Lord is going to show to us is, is heritage. And what are we passing on? Esau passed on a heritage that had nothing to do with God, and it went through all of his generations and ended up in death, spiritual death. In contrast to that is Jacob and the line of Jacob, which would lead to the Messiah, which would lead to us as children of the line of Jacob, as children of God. What heritage will we pass along? Esau, Edom, his name means red, He was born, if you remember, hairy and red. And then we come to find when he was very hungry one day, he was out hunting and his brother Jacob was making up the stew. He came running in and he said, give me some of that red red, that red meat. He had an incredible passion for red meat, loved it. And basically the scriptures tell us he despised He sold his birthright because of his passion for red. Spiritual things didn't matter to him. What mattered to him was that I'm satisfied now. I have a passion for something, and I want my need met, and I live for the moment, and I will have it satisfied now. Who cares about my birthright, which meant everything? And so began the spiritual decline of Edom, the one who had passion for red. And what we find in Edom's lineage, and as we look down these names, there was no passion for God. None whatsoever. And it just got darker and darker. That's the line he passed down. Our name is red. A spiritual heritage that lived literally in the red. They were spiritually bankrupt their entire lives. What kind of heritage are we passing along? It impacts the generations. You know, it's amazing when we look at, when we look at this whole lineage I and mean, all of these children that are born, and you start to see who they become. Everything looks really good. It's an incredible family. You know, again, Esau, 
Hairy guy, that's what his name means, hairy one. There's no balding going on in that family. They got the healthy hair going on. They're looking good. They're powerful. They have lots of money. I mean, you put up this family photo, and you go, man, what a family. What a family. They looked absolutely blessed. Wow, I want to be part of that family. Look at all that they have. Look what they've accomplished And when you read down the line, it doesn't seem like they have any problems. One of the things I noticed as a contrast, as we study the heritage of Jacob and his line, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, one of the things that we always seem to see, one of the the challenges that we see, is that almost all of the wives of the patriarchs are barren. They struggle with not being able to have children. And we see that over and over again. A reminder to us that it is only God who gives life. You go down this whole line, it's like, and kid after kid after kid after kid. There's no hint that any of them struggle with, with, with not having children. Everything looks great. Big family. What a photo. Blessed. And you know what you see in this? You see in this story and in these 81 names, you see nothing but God's grace. God blessed Edom, Esau. He gave them a great lineage, lots and lots of children. He gave them lots of land. And God blessed him, actually touched his life. And at the same time, Esau, Edom, to that offer of grace, he said, no, thank you. I want nothing to do with you, God. There's something you need to always remember about our Lord. He always is pursuing those who who are away from him. He's always going after those who are lost and broken. He pours out his grace on Esau, just like he does on those that we love who do not know the love of God. He does not relent. He he does not resist or stop. He comes after them because he wants each and every person that he created to know his love. He offered that to Esau, and Esau said no. That's a choice he offers to each and every one of us, isn't it? Will you receive me? Will you come to receive me as Lord and Savior so that I might give you life? Esau said, I want to live in the red. And he went on with his life. He prospered, but he did not prosper spiritually. We see it in the names of the children. 81 names, too, have some sort of hint of God in them. And that's why he was living in the land of Canaan with Abraham and, and with Isaac and Rebekah. And while he was living in that land, you see a little hint but the rest of the names have nothing to do with God, and actually one even gives, gives honor to Baal, pagan god. His wife's name, one of his wife's names was Hadah. Her name meant ornament. She was stunningly beautiful, kind of like a trophy wife for him, and her name was Ornament. Ruel was the one who was friend of God. We see in verse 23, Alban, which means wicked or unrighteous. 
Verse 24, Ayah, which means hawk. The names go on. Quran, which means turtle. Akbor, which means mouse. I'd like to be those sons. All these names, as you come and go through the list, and I'll let you enjoy your time alone doing that. As you go through these names, you will find they're all on outward beauty. They're all on outward things. They're all, they're all on, on how we look. Or There's nothing that, that goes to the soul. Again, one child that we can identify as giving some, some favor to God. The second child, actually, the, the name is a little tricky. You can't quite define it. Everything based on what's on the outward. Nothing that, that goes to the core and the longing of who you want that child to be, of who they would grow up to be. Nothing that digs deep to the center. That's how he lived. He had a passion for wild things. He was a hunter, Esau was. Sure, I'm going to name my son Hawk. That's an appropriate name. Mouse, I don't know how that happened, but little mouse ran around too. Everything animals and everything beauty. That's my passion. That's what I live for. He had a passion for those things, the wild nature. He loved it. And he loved the hunt and he loved the red, red, the red meat. He had a passion for prosperity. And he did. He, he prospered so much. The scriptures say, look at verse 6 of chapter 36. Esau took his wives and his sons and daughters and all the members of his household as well as his livestock and all the other animals and all the goods that he had acquired in Canaan, and he moved to the land some distance from his brother Jacob. Their possessions were too great for them to remain together. The land where they were staying could not support them because of their livestock. So Esau, that is Edom, it's a constant reminder of who he is. They settled in the hill country of Seir. And as you see in the scriptures, Seir is also a name for Edom. And you'll see it, judgment upon Seir. That means upon Edom. They had all the herds. They had land that was incredible. It began, it began just south of, of the Dead Sea. And it went 100 miles long, all the way down to the Sea of Aquaba, Red Sea area. It was about 30 miles wide. It's a lot of land at the time to have. And they lived in this land, and they had incredible power, and he had a passion for power. And one of the things that we see in the Scriptures in verses 19 and 31 and 41 is we see out of Edom came kings and chiefs and great leaders. You've got to understand something about these guys. They are a dynasty. They have it all. And they have incredible power. You do not mess with Edom. And we see this whole life going on. And when you look at it, you go, that's a real success story. They must be truly blessed of God. Look at the wealth they have. and Look at all the children they have. That must be God's hand and favor upon them. Look at the contrast. Look at chapter 31. Or 37, I mean, verse 1. It says, in the meantime, Jacob is dwelling in the land of Canaan. Do you understand? He's an alien there. He doesn't own that land. 
He's got nothing. He's got his group of, of folks, but he doesn't own any land yet. God's promised it to him, but it ain't taking place yet. And it's a real clear contrast that I want you to see. Here is Esau, and he has everything kings and mighty power and land and wealth and family. He has it all. And Jacob, this line of the Messiah, line of God, spiritual heritage, he doesn't have anything. But he has everything that matters. He has relationship with Almighty God. What are we passing on? Are we passing on the success of the world? And you've got to be this great athlete. You've got to be great in academics. You've got you to have all these things. Are we passing on all that the world is passing on, that this is success and this is life? I want my children to achieve. I want them to have success. I want my sons to be stud athletes. I want them to do well in school. But if all I'm teaching them is that, and not teaching them about the beauty of God and his life in them and what God has done for them, then everything is a wash. But if we're passing along the line of Jacob and his heritage and Jesus Christ and his love for them, then all the success in the world, you know what, that's just icing on the cake, isn't it? That's just God's joy, like any father has joy. What kind of heritage are we passing along? The contrast, things don't look good. And you go, man, Lord, I don't get this. It sure seems to me like evil is winning out. It seems like the wicked are prospering. And as we try to follow you, we're doing nothing but stumbling along the way. Looks that way, doesn't it? You know, the psalmist really struggled with this. Psalm 73. Here's what it says. Surely God is good to Israel, to the feet, to those who are pure in heart. But as for me, my feet almost slipped. I I nearly lost my foothold. I envied the arrogant when I saw the prosperity of the wicked. They don't seem to have any struggle. Their bodies are healthy and strong. And when I tried to understand this, the scriptures say, it was oppressive to me. But then I went into the throne room of God and he showed me that he has set them on a slippery slope. That their direction is nothing but to ruin. When all they rely upon, when all of their their heart and everything is poured into prosperity, success of the world. It's a slippery slope. And what that points out is that God looks right to our heart, doesn't he? You know what, God, it's wonderful if God has given you lots of money and and property and power. Amen. God looks at your heart. He knows exactly where you're at. And that's what that passage reminds us. I know their heart. And for those who put everything into the success of the world and have nothing to do with me, don't be discouraged. That's a slippery slope. Don't look to that. He's saying, I looked to that. I longed for that. I wanted that. And I started to envy that. He's saying, don't envy that. Our lives are to to be rich and full of the life of Christ. Esau's life truly was 
separated out from God. He was an enemy of God all through his life. He had nothing to do with him and didn't want anything to do with him. And it brings us back again to that question. What kind of heritage do we pass along? Esau lived for the self. He lived for passion now. He lived for everything that was sinful choices. I will make my own choices. I don't care what God thinks about this. I'm going to do what I want to do. Well, I wanted to give you what God's perspective of Esau's life was about, and it's what Larry read out of Obadiah. There's two areas that God really comes down upon. One is his pride. He says, oh, you who are in the mountain cliffs, who who fight and think you are so strong, I will take you down. Pride that they held on to. You see, they were very proud of their defenses. They were a strong power, but they had an incredible place, and it's what is known as Petra today. Have you seen Petra? And the rock and the fortress and the wall? This is Petra. This was one of their main bases and their military strongholds. And when it says, oh, you who dwelt in the cliffs, you who fly like eagles, soar up there. This is the channel way, that it's called the Seek, that goes through and is maybe 15 feet wide and the cliffs go high. And so what was said is that the army, the army could hold back with only 20 men, a whole military army that was trying to charge in because they couldn't fit through this. And so they had power. And that's what they held on to. Your pride will bring you down. This is the sin that God is addressing. Look at all that you've built, but I will crumble it. It will end up, the scripture finishes off, in complete rubble. There'll be nothing left. Esau despised his birthright. His whole lineage was full of pride. Who can bring me to the ground, he says. And then God points to something else unbrotherliness, lack of love for his brother, lack of even care for his brother Jacob. And he points this out. Here's what happened. Jerusalem was attacked. And I think what Obadiah is referring to is when the Babylonians came in and attacked. Obadiah is saying, listen, here's your sin. When your brother was being attacked, you stood aloof. You knew what was going on. They were being wiped out. You, you did nothing about it. You could care less. And then it got worse. As they were fleeing Jerusalem, Edom and his family literally got the ones who were running away and they brought them back to the Babylonians so that they'd be in captivity. And he says, you boasted in your power. You were prideful. You mocked them. You treated them with no value. You, you looked upon them and basically laughed in their face. This is your sin, Edom, and it has led to your destruction, your pride and your lack of care for your brother will lead to your ruin. In response to that question, am I my brother's keeper? You bet you are. You bet. You go, why, why would I go to Haiti? And it's not my country. We got our own problems here. 
Why would I go to Haiti? Because God loves the Haitians. Because he created them. Because they're in need. We can't stand aloof and do nothing. Because God will stir in your heart. Because that's who he is. But your sin of not caring about your brother will lead to your destruction. What's that like for you and your siblings in your life? Truly. What's that look like for you in the way that you're responding to your brothers or sisters? Do you see them struggling and you don't enter into their lives? Do you sometimes feel good about yourselves because you have a job and maybe they don't? Do you Do you sort of look down upon them? Maybe they have children who are going through hard times and we end up going, oh, that child again, that nephew or niece of mine, my brother's kids. You think we're so far removed from that? God wants us to care and to live out through the power of the Spirit to love, to show compassion, with our immediate siblings, and then you as followers of Christ, our brothers and sisters in Christ. Do we somehow get some sort of glimmer of satisfaction or even joy when a brother or sister in Christ falls? You know, I went to this, uh, went to this donkey basketball deal the other night, and here, here are these folks riding on the donkeys, and uh, donkeys have their mind of their own, Right? And so they're going full speed towards... All of a sudden, the donkey would just stop. And the person riding the donkey, man, they would, they would take a hard fall. I, gotta be honest, I, I laughed a lot. <laughs> I laughed, you know? And then at the same time, you kind of, you know, you make sure they're okay. And I felt bad that I was laughing, but you laugh at their fall. And I thought, man, don't we do that? We, we sort of laugh or we have in us a, a sense of, I'm doing well, and they took a fall. And especially some of the times the people maybe we don't like so much, you know. And we laugh when they fall off a donkey. And we keep laughing in our soul. God's saying, you've got to care, you've got to enter in. They're struggling, they need the love of God. What type of heritage are we passing on? In the end, pride, in the end, a lack of love for his brother led to their destruction. They ultimately were separated from God. Such a nice family photo. Our name is red, and we are spiritually bankrupt. Or you have the choice to pass along a godly heritage. You have the choice to change your name. I met with a young man two weeks ago from Russia. He lives in part of the, actually part of the former Soviet Union. He was raised up with a dad who had nothing to do with God. He was a typical uh, man who, who struggled with alcohol and was not kind to his son. And, and at a young age, his son left the house and was real angry at his father. And that relationship was absolutely broken. And they had this life that, that was just absolutely tumultuous. And some people went over from young life to share the good news of Jesus Christ. And at age 15, this young man whose name is Sasha, and we actually call him Sasha the Red because he has red hair, Sasha the Red came to know Jesus Christ. And God 
started to work his life in him. And Sasha the Red was no longer living in the red in spiritual bankruptcy. He was living in the life of Christ. And then he became a young life leader in the former Soviet Union. And he's led hundreds of kids to Christ. He's like a father to them. He's still a young man. But he said at this meeting we had the other night, he said, you know what, God started to work on me. My father was dying from cancer. And God called me to go and be with him just to reconcile with him because he is no longer Sasha the Red. He is a Christian son. And he went and shared the love of God. He doesn't know if his father responded because he died. But he made it right with his dad. And then he shared this beautiful story. I am the first of generations to... He just had a, a child... He said, I'm the first of generations to to bring forth godly heritage. You have that option. I know many of you weren't raised up in a Christian family. I know many of you had, had no upbringing in the knowledge of Jesus Christ. But you can be the beginning of godly heritage, living in the line of Jacob. You can be the beginning of new life. You can be the one that will pass along the real family name of Christensen, and it starts with you. That God has transformed you, and now you pass that along. Which line will we live in? Which family heritage will we pass along? Jesus in the Gospels, came before a mighty tetrarch. His name was Herod. Herod Antipas. Herod the Great, his son Herod the Antipas. Herod the Great was the one who killed all the babes in Israel. Herod Antipas the one who beheaded John the Baptist and stood before Jesus. And do you remember when he stood before Jesus, what it says in Luke? It says, and with the soldiers, he stood there and mocked Jesus. Herod was an Edomite. In the Greek, Idumean. That was the line of Edom. Enemy of God all the way through. And he mocked Jesus, sent him back to Pilate, gets put on the cross. Herod Antipas had it all. He had the palace. He had the wealth. He had everything he wanted. Half my kingdom, he says. I'll give you whatever you want. As she danced before him, he had it all. So it seemed. This mighty tetrarch before the humble king. Edom and Jacob. Herod was cast out by Caligula. Caligula Ended up actually dying in Lyon, France. A.D. 70, Jerusalem was attacked. All the Edomites that were around, they were wiped out. And really, that's the last we hear of the Edomites. They're done off the face of the map. We don't see them again after A.D. 70. Yet every day in the paper... 
we read about this little place in the Middle East called Jerusalem. Isn't that interesting? This, this little place that had no power, but this place that God chose to be his line, Israel, the line of Jacob, the humble king who is the king of kings, And the question this morning is which line will we live in? Which heritage will we pass along? And that God has given us this amazing chapter in 36 to show a heritage that wanted nothing to do with God and to give us a reminder of the King of Kings, a heritage that passes along. This one in the line of Jacob went to the cross and died for our sin, and he rose again. And whoever would believe upon him would not perish, but have eternal life. And so our line, the line of Jacob, goes for eternity. And so I pray this morning for us that you would choose this day whom you will serve, and that you think about how you're passing on the heritage of Jesus Christ in the line of Jacob. God bless you guys.